I'm Melissa White, and welcome to the Spirit Room Podcast. This is a show to help inspire you to live your life to the fullest, but really to learn about those that guide us, our unseen helpers, guides, angels, loved ones in spirit that walk beside us in this life. I'll share with you personal experiences from my life as a professional medium and mentor. I'll also offer you insight into working with the spirit world and introduce you to guests that I find fascinating and that might lead you on your own journey to further discover your own soul's gifts. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hi everyone, it's me. Welcome to the 100th episode. So I am thrilled. I am just sort of in disbelief because it seems to have gone by so quickly, but it's been such a pleasure. So if you're here listening, thank you. Thank you for like being interested. Thank you for your support. And it's been, and I've said this many times, it is a creative outlet and an endeavor for me. And I absolutely find so much pleasure in expressing and having a place to offer, you know, insight and offer a little bit about my work and my journey, but also to connect. And I love interviewing other people. I love knowing about how other people view the world and how other people work. And that's been one of the really kind of amazing parts of this is being able to chat with people and ask them questions. I think one of the things I tell my students often is that to be what I think makes a good medium, there's a lot of things that go into it, but one of the things is that you have to be kind of nosy. You have to be a curious person because the more curious you are and the more you sort of have to know and, and want to know about people, um, spirit people, but also people here in the physical world, the better. Because really it's that fire within you to know and to find out and to understand people. And that's what I think really helps you to be good and proficient as a medium. So I guess what I'm saying is they go hand in hand, that nosiness in, in life to be <laughs> uh, podcasting and to be interviewing people. And also that nosiness in the spiritual way that I want to know and understand those in the other world as well. So here we are. Now I went over and over in my mind about what would be a fantastic, amazing 100th episode idea. And what I came to is just this maybe bit of a personal one, like a story time. I know I've chatted briefly about this in the past, but it is a question that I get asked most often. People always want to know, how did I know I was a medium? How did I start doing this? Did I set out to do this? Like, there's so much, I think there's so many questions around that. And so I thought I would just share it with you a bit today. So who knows where it's going to go? As you probably know, I don't script these episodes. I don't, even when I interview people, yes, I come up with some ideas of questions that I would like to ask them for sure, but I don't follow a script. And I also am always very open to being inspired in the moment. So it's sort of like a reading. You never really can pre-plan it. You never really know exactly where it's going to go. You just kind of allow spirit to guide you. And so that's what I'll do for us today. So I would invite you to get comfy if you're cleaning then clean away if you're um, listening while you're driving just get ready for just me to chat and so it's very casual just like we're having a conversation except obviously it's just me doing what I do so just talking <laughs> talking seems to be the thing that I do the most in this life so um so there you have it so let's start from the beginning well looking back I can see that yes there were aspects of mediumship present in my childhood. However, I did not know that's what it was. And I certainly didn't grow up knowing that I was connected to spirit or knowing that I was connected to the angels. I felt a closeness to the angels. I think one of the first memories I have of being aware of angels is going to church with my grandpa, who's now in spirit, um, my mom's dad. And it was such a treat. He would, he would take me, I would sleep over. Um, at my grandma and grandpa's house the night before, 
And then Sunday morning, he would take me and we would go to church together. And I loved the most when there was the singing. And I felt like this beautiful, almost like brought to tears, just like a little five-year-old person, that it was just so touching to me. And I realize now it was the feeling of being connected to God, but also connected to the angels and the singing and the music was really what um, inspired that for me. And so I will always be thankful for that time. Although I don't practice that Catholic faith, I certainly am very, very grateful for that experience that I had because that was so, so strong and it was such a spiritual experience. So it's always a special memory that I'll have with my grandpa. Also that he would take me to McDonald's for breakfast after. So that was also a big part of that, a big treat. Um, and I loved it. I just loved spending that time with him. And I'm grateful that I have those memories with him, definitely. So I can remember that. I also remember being in school. I think I've told this story before, but for those of you that haven't heard it, I went into French immersion when I was in kindergarten. So basically you just learn French, you, you speak. French in class and you, there's not really a lot of English. And so I was very perfectionist at a young age and very, very aware that I always wanted to get everything correct, do everything right. And I would panic if I felt there was a chance that I might do something wrong. And so I would sit there and I would have anxiety as the teacher would show us these flashcards. And there would be like an image of, say, like a house or an image of blueberries or an image of a bicycle. And we would have to then just say the word in French, like what is the French word? And so I would be stressing, stressing over this. And what would happen is when the teacher would call on me, I would hear the word in French in my mind. And then I would just speak it. I would say it and I would get it right. And I realize now, looking back, that that literally was spirit bringing me that word so that I could not panic and, and not freak out. And so they were helping me from a very young age, definitely. So that's always been something that stuck with me. I also would have these experiences, especially as a teenager, where I would see things in my mind's eye before they would happen. And it was never usually big, big monumental things. It was little tiny moments, like for instance, seeing a particular person come around the corner and walk down the hall towards me. And, and then I would, they would say a certain thing to me and I would hear that and, and know it and see exactly what that looked like and what they were wearing before it would happen and then it would happen. You know, so it seems like as a teenager, those things, synchronicities also happened so often to me. So definitely the repeating numbers, the 1111, things like that. I experienced a ton of deja vu as a child. And I remember trying to explain that to my parents, like what that was. And I don't think I had the words to put that into words exactly what was happening. And I don't know if they really knew what I was talking about either, but I realized now, yeah, that deja vu was a big thing. It happened often. I did have really, really intense dreams as a child. I was super, super um, afraid at night. Uh, lots of times when I would, I would have trouble falling asleep, but then I would go to sleep. And then I would wake up in the middle of the night with just panic. And some of that I think is maybe more so like emotional, like literally anxiety, like that was going on like mentally. But also I think energetically, I would wake up because it was like everything was quiet, everyone was asleep, and there was something about the energy that would have been sort of activating to me. So I, I was pretty I was pretty scared of the dark. I was pretty scared of being the only one awake at night in the quiet. I think it's probably because I didn't understand that spirit was there and that spirit was like befriending me. As a child, I didn't have any reference for it. I didn't have anyone to talk to about it because there just, there wasn't that, it, it wasn't a topic. It wasn't something that was really um, known about or really discussed in my home. So of course I had no frame of reference. So I can look back now and say, okay, that's what was likely going on. Now I've spoken lots of times about my uncle who I love very much and he's in spirit now. Um, I say it often, he is someone that I feel was extremely mediumistic. 
and was experiencing things, seeing things, hearing things. And he was actually really criticized for it. He ended up being also diagnosed with schizophrenia. Now, this is just my personal opinion, obviously, like it's my opinion. So I'm not trying to say that this is um, going to be everyone's truth because I'm sure there's family members that wouldn't agree with me. But I feel he was likely just very mediumistic and there was no understanding of that. And so these visions and things that he saw and things that he felt and stuff like that, I, I think it's quite possible it was very misunderstood. And so I grew up knowing that there had been, he'd had that experience and that he'd been, you know, spent time institutionalized for it and, and all kinds of things. So I think there was always a bit of a fear around expressing the things that can't be explained or expressing the things that can't be explained logically. And so I think it's true for so many people who are very sensitive souls. We do have this wound lots of times from previous lifetimes where we've been different. We've known things. We've been psychic. We've been healers. We've been mediums. We've been all of these things. And somewhere along the line, we've been punished for it. We've been ostracized because of it. For me, what I've noticed, a lot of my students have this as well. In, in some way, and it still is like this today, there's still this stigma oftentimes. If you come out and say, I am a medium or I am doing this work professionally and you're out there putting yourself out there, it's almost like in some situations you approach people and you have to prove that you're not fraud. You have to prove that's where you start. You start by actually having to get that out of their head because there are a lot of people who assume that if you say that you have these abilities, that 100% you're not legit. Like you are a scammer. You are preying upon people's grief that you're basically full of it and that you're charging money and taking advantage of people. That is a mindset that we do come across often. And it's a difficult one because I think with this type of work, you it's so deep, it's so personal, it's on a soul level. You have to be so sensitive but being so sensitive, then you're also so open. And so that kind of energy can feel very abrasive. It can feel very difficult. And so we basically have so much to overcome at times with our own mindset too, not allowing someone else's perception to shake us, not allowing someone else's energy to affect, to affect us in any way. And so I think it comes from probably previous lifetimes where we've been burned at the stake. We've been drowned. We've been discriminated upon against. There's all of these experiences that many of us have, have had. Whether we remember that or not, I think that it's so true that the soul has all of these memories and, and our logical minds may not be able to access those memories or remember it, but... It, the energy of it, it still remains until we look at it, until we work to bring some some healing and some hopefully releasing of previous traumas. So I do think that that is this courageous part of us. Anyone who comes out of the spiritual closet, anyone who puts themselves out there continually doing this work, I have so much respect for for you because I know it is not easy. And I think that you can believe in yourself, you can know the truth, but it's still, it's not easy when you're basically working from a place of having to prove yourself or feeling like you have to. Now, over the years, it's been nine years or so, I, I don't feel that need as much anymore. And I certainly have come a long way in not allowing nonsense into my energy. But I would say that it's not an easy thing for many people. I also think, too, that um, it's one of those things that you can't really just say, okay, well, I don't care. Because really, the way I see it, this is such a, a huge part of who I am. And it's likely the same for most people that do this work. It's part of your identity. And so it's not something that's just a job. It is literally a piece of who we are. 
And so when you encounter that kind of misconception, it's hard to not have that be a little bit personal. You know, I, I just think that in lots of ways too, there's this thing that happens and I don't think it happens in many other professions, not that I can think of, where you could just be minding your own business. You're, you're booking your clients and you're doing your work. And then you get a message from someone that's like, oh, hi, I really would like a reading with you. I'm very skeptical. I don't really believe in this, but could you just like maybe tell me something that would make me believe before I book with you? Or could you just like do a bit of a, a free reading with me just to prove to me that you're real, that you're legit? I don't know anyone else, any other job where you have to do that. Like, do you go to your mechanic and say, hey, I don't really trust that you're a mechanic, but could you just like do something for free to me and then I'll judge it and tell you if I want you to like do more work for me? No. And so it is pretty disheartening when that happens and I'm not about to ever be auditioned by someone. If you don't believe, that's fine. If you if you want to book a reading, great. If you don't, that's also fine. I'm not here to um I'm not here to convert people to my way of thinking or my way of being. And I certainly am not here to prove my value and my worth to you. And I just mention it because I don't want anyone else out there who experiences that to think that it's expected of them or that they have to do it. No. So there, there is, I think, something very inherently like insulting about that. I also had someone that I, I knew a long time ago in school, and I didn't know that I was going to be a professional medium. I did not know that I was going to be doing this work. I had no idea. And so she knew me at a time where, yes, I was a sensitive person. And yes, like that was, that was obvious, but it was not like I was going around saying I'm a medium. Anyways, she contacted me years, years later, like when I, she found me my professional page or my website or something. And she sent me a message and she was like, oh, like, can you just tell me, is it legit? Like, is this real? Like, are you really a medium? And I just felt so annoyed by this question because I thought, oh my God, like, do people actually think that if this wasn't real, if it wasn't legit, then I would be charging people money for something and, and pretending and calling it something that it isn't? Like, is that really a thought that people have? And so I was like, yes, yes, it is. And obviously, if it if it wasn't, I would not do this. Like I, there's no way. I, I mean, that's literally, it is fraud and it is like despicable in my opinion. So I just, I, I realize that even people can even sometimes know you as a person or know what you're about, know who you are. And they still, they still struggle to believe that it could be legitimate. So I would just say for anyone that's on a development journey, it isn't our responsibility or our job to convince anyone of anything. The information that we receive, the connection that we have, we're here to, to offer our insight, offer what we, what we receive. Always, of course, no matter what, you're always showing up and doing your best. Like there's not one person I've ever met who's trying to develop their, their abilities that purposely would, would give halfway. Like everyone that I know and that I've taught, we all want to get it right. And we want to be the best that we can be, not for ourselves so that we could say, oh, aren't I amazing? It's to like live up to and do justice to the spirit people, but also to help people here and for them to have a sense of comfort and a sense of peace and for them to be touched by spirit. So like, I would just offer that as just an aside, something to just keep in mind that all you can ever do is your best and show up fully as yourself. And as they say in mediumship, warts and all, you know, so flaws and all, not expecting perfection. When I was at the college, there was a tutor. I can't remember, I can't remember which one, but it was a male, a male tutor. And he was talking about how in mediumship, you need to have the um, sensitivity of a butterfly 
and and also the skin, the hide of like a rhinoceros. So you have to be so mentally tough, but then also so, so sensitive to the subtleties of energy and the feeling and the delicate sort of balance with the emotional aspects of things. And so it is a very specific skill. It is a very specific type of person that I think is built for this. Now that leads me into talking about like are mediums born or are they developed? I think it's both. I think that there's very few people that I think are actually built for this work full-time for their whole lifetime. I, I think it's a very specific type of person. And I do think there is something genetic, something in the almost like spiritual DNA that allows you to do it, like wires you in that way. Having said that, even if you are wired for that, there is a ton of development. There's a ton of trial and error. There's a ton of study. There's a ton of life experience that you have to go through. There's a ton of practice. There's also a relentless sort of fire that you have to have within you to keep going even when it's difficult, to keep going and putting yourself out there even when it's, it's not ideal. And that is sort of the life of a medium, not to make it sound too glamorous. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to dissuade any, or, you know, anyone to think like, oh, it's so hard. I don't want to do it. It is difficult at times. It's also brilliant, amazing, astonishing and miraculous and 100% worth it, worth the hard work and worth what it takes to get there. However, I do think that most people, most people have a capacity to work with spirit. Now, are they meant to do it as a profession? Probably not everyone is. No, not at all. But I think it is something that can be developed in, in most people. If there's a desire to work with spirit, if there's a desire to connect, and if there's a willingness to put in some time and some effort. So certainly everyone is able to connect with their own loved ones. I, I see absolutely no, no reason why not. And so sometimes it's just needing a bit of guidance and a little bit of an education in it. But I do feel passionately about helping people to connect with their own loved ones in spirit, to connect with their inner spirit of themselves. I, I think that if we were all willing and able to do that, we would see miraculous changes in the world around us. And so I have recorded a meditation for connecting with spirit for yourself. It is on my YouTube channel, but also um, my new website is coming out soon and it'll be on there as well under the resources page. So if you want to check that out, I do suggest it and I, I'd say give it a try. Now, I've had people try these meditations and then comment that like nothing happened and they feel like it's a failure. If you feel the first time that it wasn't, you know, nothing happened or it wasn't what you expected, just know that's okay. Continue. This is of something you want to practice, something you want to give more than one chance to do. So hang in there with it and recognize that everyone is different. Everyone has their own experiences. So don't compare yourself or think that like just because someone else did it and they had this mind-blowing major breakthrough and you didn't, that that means something. It, it just means you're different. And so just focus on your own journey, focus on your own experiences and give yourself time and patience. That's important. So back to the story. So I, what happened? Well, when I was, I was very much eager, like as a 19 year old, 18 year old, like graduated high school, did go to post-secondary for one year. And I was looking to be likely like a, a French immersion teacher or something like that for elementary school. That was kind of my goal, my idea. And I ended up getting, I applied and I got hired for Air Canada as a flight attendant. And so that was something that being bilingual, I was able to apply for. And then I went through this rigorous, rigorous interviewing process. It was like pretty intense. And then this training, which I went to Montreal for, and I was there for 10 weeks. So still young, like 19, totally away from home and on my own. And going through this process with the training was pretty intense. We had exams every single day. I think you had to get 80%. If you got lower than 80%, basically, it was like considered a fail. 
And it was um, a lot of it, uh, so much of it is safety, knowing the different aircrafts in the fleet and procedure and all of that stuff. So it's very, very, very dry and boring to learn. But I was obsessed with doing well and getting through this training. It felt like being on Survivor, to be honest. Like it was just like we would we would go for our training. It was start at 3 p.m. and we would go until midnight every night and then we would take the bus back from the training facility and go to the hotel which is like downtown Montreal so that would take like almost an hour or something and then we'd have to study because we had this exam every like the next day every time so I would get home at like I don't know or to the hotel at like 1 a.m. 1 30 we'd usually like have something to eat because we're like we're starting our basically our day then like our, our study day so we do that by the time I got back maybe two I would study from about 2 a.m to 5 30 ish sometimes six then I would go to sleep and I would sleep until maybe like 11 or so get up have a shower get ready have something to eat and head back to the training facility and so it was a rigorous process anyways I ended up I made it through it was emotionally trying. I mean, there was a lot of competition. It was mostly females. And I, I found that like that was some of the, the cattiness and some of the backstabbing kind of energy was really difficult for me. So it was a bit of an education in, in things in that way as well. But it really showed me. I, there was a few times where I just wanted to go home. I just wanted to leave. I wanted to quit. And I didn't. I stuck it out. And so to this day, I still look back on that time as like very, very much a part of my, my growth because it took a lot to do that. Anyways, I, I graduated from that and I got based in Calgary. And so I moved with my then boyfriend. He came to Calgary with me and we started a life there. And I worked as a flight attendant for about two years or approximately. I was going all over the place. I did a lot of long haul flights. I did Calgary to London many times. I did Calgary to Frankfurt. I found I loved the domestic flying a lot more. So I enjoyed doing stuff in Canada. And I also liked some of the stuff that we did going to the States. And I found that it was just, for me, I have insomnia issues to begin with. And so the long haul flights being up all night working and then having 24 hours as a layover in London and then coming back and working the flight back and then getting home, I, I basically would go a couple days without sleeping lots of the time. And so that was really hard on my anxiety and it was really hard on my mental health. And so that was one of the reasons that the domestic flights were, were easier for me with the time difference and stuff. And then after 9-11, we ended up getting laid off, like lots of us, because we were the last ones hired. And so... Then I moved back to home outside of Vancouver and then got called back eight months later, 10 months later. And what I did that time was commute. So I was commuting from Vancouver, flying into Calgary the night before I would start work, staying over in like a commuter place, and then starting my work day there, flying out wherever I had to go. A few days later, coming back to Calgary and trying to get a flight out to Vancouver the same day, but oftentimes it wouldn't work. So I'd have to stay till the next day. And so there was a lot. It wasn't really the life for me. I knew I wanted kids. I knew I wanted a family. And I was just not seeing that for me forever. But still, an experience that I really cherish. That happened, ended up getting married, and then right away knew that I wanted to have kids. So like had my son, he was born about, and it was actually a traumatic birth, experience and then a week later after he was born I remember this so clearly it was like the first time that I had been me and him just me and him my, my then husband was at work and I thought okay we're gonna do an outing by ourselves like I'm gonna get him all ready bundle him up and we're gonna go to the drugstore I had a few things to buy so I was very proud just like taking him out into the world and just felt like I had I was just so I was so pleased that he was here. He was safe. He's so perfect. This little, like, this little light. I just absolutely was so obsessed with him. I mean, I still am, but anyway, so bring him out into the world. And I remember looking in the aisle, looking at something. And all of a sudden, I had this 
massive pain in my stomach. Like, I can't even explain what kind of pain that is, but intense to the point where I'm like, okay, I had to put, he was in his little car seat carrier basket thing. I had to put him down and just stand there and try not to keel over. And it lasted for a few minutes, but very, very intense. And so I kind of got myself together, drove, drove us home. And then it started happening again and again. It would like happen in the middle of the night or to the point where like I was trying to get up to feed my son in the middle of the night and I literally couldn't, couldn't walk. Like I couldn't get out of bed to do it. And so I ended up going to the emergency room. I ended up going to see my doctor. I was like for a few days there, literally just like didn't know what to do. They would send me home from the emergency room with morphine and just say like, you're okay, you're fine, you just had a baby. I was 23, which is not in my mind, like not so young, but they really treated me almost like I was just young and kind of stupid and, and like making it up or being dramatic. So I knew something was majorly wrong. It was also complicated because I had an infection. I had difficulty with the breastfeeding and all that stuff. So with the mastitis, I also had a fever, which I think made it more difficult for them to diagnose what was happening to me because there was other symptoms from other things. Anyways, I ended up then going, getting to a specialist appointment and she was like a gynecologist. And she basically told me that she thought I had like an ST. I or STD. I did not. And I, I was very aware that I didn't, and that wasn't the problem. So that was disheartening. I felt like, okay, like these are doctors, they're supposed to know, and they're supposed to be like, I'm supposed to be able to trust them. So I almost felt like giving up, like just, okay, I guess I'm just going to suffer. And I was so sleep deprived. And obviously like the hormones are just like out of whack and new mom, I was highly anxious. I was so anxious. Postpartum anxiety was so real for me. Um, so scared of something happening to my son. So scared that like, if I wasn't there to watch over him while he slept, that something would happen to him. It was just a real hard time, like a real difficult, challenging time. And so I got to this point where I remember just feeling like I'm so sick. I feel so exhausted. I almost wasn't in my body. It was like I was just existing, but it was a very weird feeling to not feel connected to my body. And so I think I did sort of resign. I was kind of like, well, I guess I feel like I'm going to die. And it's not that I was okay with it, but I think I was just so exhausted and so at a loss. I, I didn't know what to do. And so my mom had come over one afternoon. Uh, to visit. And she walked in and she saw my face. She saw how white I was. And she was like, we have to go. Let's go. And she packed me up and my son and took me to a different hospital. And I, it's not clear to me exactly what happened because I think I was so out of it. But essentially, I got there. I checked in. I think they did some kind of blood work or something. Something happened where I was there and then all of a sudden I was being wheeled into exploratory surgery, like emergency exploratory surgery. So I basically didn't have a chance to even say goodbye to my son or my mom. It was just like I was being rushed and I was petrified. I was absolutely in so much fear, not for myself, but I was fearful of leaving my son and that I wouldn't be here to raise him and that I wouldn't be here to be there for him. And this is not to say anything like negative about my ex because I, I don't want to do that. But at that point, I felt like I have to be here. I can't just leave him with his dad. I need to be a part of his life and I need to be his mother. I need to raise him. And so I was laying there in this hospital bed, crying and praying just praying to God, please, please, please let me live. Like, let this be okay. And it was the most profound thing. I, I had my dad's parents in spirit, my grandma, my grandpa come on either side of this hospital bed and basically say to me, it's going to be all right. You will raise your son, but you have to calm down and you have to have this surgery. You'll see everything's going to be okay. 
And so I felt them. It was almost like everything around me was quiet and soft. And it was just me and them and this beautiful experience. And I can't say that I saw them with my physical eyes as in like they're solid and and standing in front of me. I certainly felt them. And that was like a clairsentient feeling. And then I knew it was them and I did hear those words. So it's not, it's not maybe what you might expect it, you know, that it was like a very, very real experience. And so it comforted me. I, I felt like, oh, okay, I can do this. And so I, I was able to sort of calm down. I went in for the surgery. I woke up from the surgery and the surgeon told me that my appendix had ruptured and that I wouldn't have had 24 more hours. Like there was so much poison in my body. He almost had to take out a great portion of my bowel, which would have affected my life dramatically going forward. And it was, I remember my reaction was I actually laughed. And I think it's like a trauma response or shock, or I don't even know, but it was just, I, I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that I knew that I felt like I was going to die, but yet nobody, except for my mom, nobody took it seriously. Literally everyone thought I was being ridiculous and dramatic and that I was just a young mom and I was anxious because I was a new mom. And it really showed me something that, first of all, we have to be our own advocates and we have to fight to be heard and to be listened to and to be taken seriously. Also as women, I'm sorry, like I think that we also need to, as women, do that as well. Like that is a thing. We are oftentimes called dramatic, hysterical, whatever. So that was a thing. Also that my intuition is there for a reason and I don't need to ignore it just because no one else understands it. So it sparked some big changes. I literally started to see my life very clearly. And I started to see what was working, what wasn't. I reevaluated my relationships with people. I trusted myself more. And I felt super empowered by that experience. It changed me. I really think it was a spiritual awakening of a major, in a major way. So I wouldn't say all of a sudden I knew I was medium. Still, I did not really realize. But I certainly started to be curious. So and a friend who took me to, she booked a reading for me with a psychic and drove me there and made me do it. And to this day, like I'm not friends with this person anymore, but I still think that her role in my life in many ways was actually to kind of get me to do that. Because at that point, it wasn't something that I'd really considered. So that reading was kind of phenomenal because it made me realize some things. Some of the things that were said were so, so true and so accurate. And it made me, it made me sort of realize, oh, like all of these things that I've thought were true about myself or that I could do or what I've felt or what I've known, it was all of a sudden validated, like by someone who was a stranger to me. So that was pivotal. That was, that was huge. Years later, had my, my daughter and there was just a series of like traumatic things that happened after her birth you know so life events life things I essentially was seeking some help with anxiety I was seeking some help to manage and go through that experience that I was going through and so I went to a meditation night that was advertised and I did not realize it was actually more of like a psychic development circle but of course meditation was part of it so I'd never purposely meditated before And I went and I did it and I felt absolutely connected. I felt an amazing amount of support from spirit. I had definitely like full body experience with spirit. We did some exercises and I was connecting with spirit. It was like undeniable. And so it showed me that like I was a medium. And so I would go back to that development circle every week. It was like a drop-in thing and do the exercises. And and basically it was more to prove to myself that it was true for me, that it was real. But also I gained so much healing in that time. It was a period of time in my life where everything around me was literally falling apart. 
So like that was the one thing that I did for myself. That was the time every week that I knew was dedicated to myself and my soul. And I looked forward to it. It got me through a very trying time. And I really credit the spirit world for like being there for me. And I think that it was just divine timing. It was perfect timing and it was orchestrated that way. So naturally, basically, I would work with people in class. They would just be like, oh, hey, would you do a reading for my mom? She really loved a reading. Or could you do a reading for my friend? And so I just said, yes, I, I would do it. And what happened was I did a few of those readings and literally these people must have told a lot of people. I, I just feel like it just grew very quickly from a bit of a hobby or something that I was just trying out to literally enough clientele that I was booking myself full time. And I don't think that that's necessarily always the way. Like I, I think that everyone's, everyone's journey is a little bit different and unique. For me, it seemed like it was something that had been building my whole life. And as soon as I said yes, and as soon as I embraced it, Spirit was like, okay, finally, let's go. She's ready. And she needs it. I needed that at that time. It's I needed that, not only the connection and the beauty of, of feeling like I was using my abilities and it was it was making an impact. I also needed to be making money. I had at the time been on mat leave, like at home after just having my daughter. And my husband at the time got into a major accident, car accident, was not working and, and didn't work for years and years. And so basically the mediumship and the practice that I was building up, it was something that was not only like necessary for me, for my own growth and well-being and my development, it was also serving this purpose that I was able to contribute financially when it was really, really needed. And so always, always be thankful to spirit for that part as well, because that's something that I never even really dreamed of or expected. And I remember I would pull angel cards for myself all the time during that time leading up to it. And I always got the same card in this one deck. It was an old Doreen Virtue deck and it was the entrepreneur card. And I pulled it so many times, like oftentimes, like so much, almost every day I would pull it and I was like, hmm. I never, it's like the angels were trying to tell me, yes, you're going to do this. This is an opportunity. You're going to work for yourself. And I literally didn't really know what it meant. I think sometimes I'm super slow when it comes to knowing things for myself. And I mean, that's probably true for most of us. It's very difficult to know and read for yourself. But I think I'm especially, especially slow sometimes when it comes to that. So it's just interesting looking back. So anyways, I, I said yes, and I started taking on more clients and doing the one-on-ones. And then naturally someone was like, oh, would you like to, do, or could you do a group reading for me? And I'd never done one, but I said, okay. So I just showed up. I conducted it the way that I was guided, the way that I felt from spirit. And then that became a thing. And I think that was a big part of obviously like getting out there. And so I started doing those quite often and those started growing. And then naturally also within my clientele, I was having people come to me that I could see that they had abilities themselves. And I could see that they needed to understand them more or they needed to um, work with it more to kind of have this validation and confirmation that they're not crazy and and also to see what that would bring into their life and so i just put it out there to the ones that i felt that feeling with that resonance with and it said i'm putting together this development circle if you're interested this is what we're going to focus on this is what it'll this is what it'll be and i think there was about 10 or 12 ladies and signed up and we started meeting and it was a bi-weekly circle and i just started teaching and I realized that I absolutely love helping and showing other people how to do this and how to work with spirit. And I realized early on that it's so unique and different for each person. And so I really tried to focus on bringing out the best you know, qualities in, in each person and allowing them to be themselves and allowing them to work the way that it felt good for them. And so that circle, I think, went for about five years, maybe four or five years. It was amazing. And since then, there's been others. And I've got one now that's been on the go for four years. And so that has been a beautiful connection for me. 
And I've learned so much through those classes and those experiences. And so I, it all basically kind of just, just happened. And it was because I would feel inspired and I would then say, okay. And I would work with spirit and we basically kind of learned together. So that's sort of how it developed. Now, like there's probably lots of things in between, but that's the gist of it. And I think it's important to share it because there's lots of people who would have you believe that if you're a medium, you had to have had experience when you were two years old and you saw a humongous angel at the end of your bed and the angel told you that you're a powerful medium and you're going to do this work. And I, I think that's maybe true for some people, but that's literally not true for most people. And so it's possible you don't know until you're 32, like me, for sure. Or you don't know until you're 50 or you don't know until you're 65. Like, I think timing is important. And if you look at it, like, I wouldn't have been ready. I wouldn't have been able to handle all of these things earlier in life. I needed to have uh, a space and time in my life where I was able to take this on and also that um, ready to say yes to it. And so. Don't be discouraged if your story is a bit different than someone else's. I also think too that there, I, I had a misconception in my mind. I thought that to be a medium, you had to see spirit in solid form and that you had to be, your experience would be spirit constantly badgering you and following you around and trying to get your attention. Because that's what I saw on TV and that's what I saw like, in movies. And so I thought that, that I couldn't possibly be, be a medium because that wasn't my experience. And so I'm passionate about saying that that's not, that doesn't mean anything. Like, honestly, a lot of those things that you see on TV and in movies is such BS. Like it's not even, it's not even accurate or true. I think for me, Yes, I do see spirit with my physical eyes. Like, yes, I do see dead people, but yet when I see them, it looks to me like a silhouette of light behind someone, above someone. Yes, lots of times like floating up against the ceiling, I see that, but I think it's because the contrast, the ceiling is white, and then I can kind of see the the outline when I look at the ceiling. And it's not every day, all day. It's usually when I'm purposely trying to connect with someone. Yeah, once in a while, it'll happen, but I would say that what I've learned over the years is that spirit is not ever going to be harassing you or, or like bombarding you. We're allowed to have a human experience in life. And so it doesn't mean that if you're, if you've got good boundaries and a good energy management and you're not being bombarded by messages and communication from spirit all day, that's a good thing. That's a positive thing. That means that you've got a balance. It means that you're taking care of your mental health, your well-being, and you're living a human life too. So I think like applaud yourself. So that's how I see that. The other thing is the spirit also can be subtle. It's not always this gigantic, huge thing. And so subtle is still powerful. So the more that you develop, the more subtle it's likely going to get. And so don't think that you're losing it or that you're not as accurate or you're not as good or you're losing your ability. It actually means that you're progressing when that happens. So that's something I wish I knew because I had to find that out for myself. That's the process. So then I sought out mentorship and worked with Tony Stockwell, who I, I will forever be so thankful for because that training and that support and this ability to be so inspired by someone and also like such an understanding that was so, that was so profound for me you know so I do think that that is a huge part of the development also going to the Arthur Finley College was a big deal and I don't know that it was such a big deal like necessarily because of the mediumship I almost feel like that was such a big deal because I went I did it on my own I didn't know anyone and it was like really out of my comfort zone like putting myself out there I did have my tutor Kitty Wood and she's from the Netherlands she was fantastic, phenomenal, absolutely loved her teaching style. Met some amazing people that I still count as friends. And this is years ago, a couple of years ago. And then 
there was Eileen Davies that was there and she's from Scotland. She was also extremely phenomenal. I got the pleasure of witnessing her do a trance demonstration, trance speaking in the library. So the college is kind of like this English manor, I guess. It's like a home, but it was donated to the spiritualists and, and turned into this mediumship and psychic like college, like a prestigious place that people from all over the world go to, to learn. And anyways, the library is super cool. It's just got like this amazing vibe. And I got to witness that. And that was, that was really interesting. She had three different spirit guides that were basically coming through, speaking in completely different voices, accents, mannerisms, personalities. It was so crisp and clean and well done. And very much you could feel the difference in the energy and the shift in the room with each different communicator. So that was beautiful. Uh, that was that was amazing. So there's lots of things that I feel over the years have been phenomenal to, phenomenal to experience. But that's the story. That, that's kind of, I mean, there's obviously so much more to it. But I just thought I would share. That's how it's been for me. There's been disappointments along the way. There's been people that I thought were like friends that it ended up were, were not. That's hard. That's sometimes really, really disheartening and difficult. But on the other hand, always learning. We're always learning something. And I think too, there's also been people that I've met that have become just lifelong, almost like family. There's such closeness there. And so I'm very, very grateful for that. My two closest best friends are people that I've met because of this work. And so I'm I'm very fortunate for that. There's been also times where I've been challenged. There's been times where I've just been like, oh, like this is so, this is so at times so overwhelming and difficult to manage and like so different than anyone else's kind of job. Like there's times when I've just thought like, oh, am I going to be able to do this? Like, can I still do this? And anytime I get to that point, I know that spirit, like it, they must be thinking to themselves, uh-oh, like she's getting she's getting frustrated again or she's getting annoyed like we better throw her a bone we better we better do something and so there will always be some unexpected moment some unexpected experience just at that time where i'm like a little bit at my breaking point and it will bring me back to yeah this is this is why you do this this is why you're here this is a big part of who you are and why you're here so let's get on with things and so I do have to sometimes have, I have to almost go to that point to then get back to business and be like, nope, we're not giving up and we're not going to like push something away that's been so amazing and beautiful just because every once in a while we get in a, we get in our little funk, like things don't, things don't always go the way that we plan or the thing, the way that we would like. It's not always easy, but I mean, such is life. Like mediumship is so much like life. So we learn a lot. We learn a lot about ourselves and we learn a lot about resilience, vulnerability, and just speaking our truth. And so I can't be more grateful for that. But yeah, so speaking of which recently I was dealing with quite, quite intense migraines and like, just feeling extremely challenged in that regard. Of course, I can work when I'm sick, but I can't really function and work when I'm taking medication for migraines because it's just not going to work. Obviously, I feel out of it, drowsy and whatever. And it's, it wouldn't even be ethical of me to try and work while I'm taking that medication. So it poses a bit of a problem. So anyways, I was feeling just like drained and kind of like, oh God, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I had had two challenging situations prior to those those migraines being triggered. And so I ended up going to this group reading that I wasn't feeling my best, but I sort of tuned in. And I'm like, okay, I know that this I can do this. And I, I felt that I was going to be supported in it. So I went and did it. And I when I walked in, I was this is sort of uh, I'm now working out of a, a venue in Langley to do my group readings, but this is the tail end of still doing the home groups. And so I walked into the the client's home and there was a picture hanging in the front entrance that really caught my eye. And it was so just like my style and beautiful. So I, I just stopped me in my tracks and I said, oh, that I love that. 
picture. There's something about it. I really, I don't know. I really love it. And so anyways, went upstairs and did the reading. And I mean, amazing energy with these, these people that everyone there gathered and then also their loved ones super super phenomenal communicators the host mom came through and was just so fabulous and was giving me all kinds of like amazing information and there was laughter and all that so she had me see that picture again like in my mind's eye and I'm like oh there's something about that picture I keep I see it in my mind when I'm connecting with her anyways it ends and the host was like oh did you want to see my mom's suite it's like right here and so we went in and we looked around and she pointed out that she, her mom had had the same picture print like in her, in her suite. And this woman and this client took it off the wall and handed it to me and said, here, you should have it. And it just, I was like in tears. It made me tear up because it was such a sweet gesture, first of all. But I also felt it was coming from her mom, who was basically being a representative from spirit saying, here like we love you you're doing a good job like we know this is not always easy to be human and be in a physical body just here this is for you and it was so touching it was absolutely just like I can't even really explain it but it just brightened my day and it made me feel like yeah I this is it was a reminder of the kindness and the love and the support that I do get from spirit and that I do get from so many people that I read for or that I teach. And so it's stuff like that. It, it just happens. It seems to happen just when I need it. And so it's, it's happened to me lots of times where spirit will be like, here, I'll read for someone. And then I'll have like a deck of cards or a crystal or something in my purse. I'll, I'll bring it along sometimes because I know I'm going to, it's not for me. I'm meant to give it to someone. But anyways, they'll tell me, oh, like, can you give her this from me? Like spirit will do that. And I'll always do it. I always listen. I'll be like, here, this is like from your mom or here, this is from your dad. They want me to give this to you. It's a gift. But that's one of the first times in that way that it kind of happened in the reverse where spirit was like telling the client to give something to me. So that was really cool. And so there's always those moments that I absolutely cherish. And I think, I thank you all for being a part of that. So I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I hope that it is, you know, brought you a little bit of insight into the journey thus far for me. And I really appreciate you for listening. Upcoming stuff, I do have a one-day Healing with Spirit retreat workshop, May 29th in White Rock. It's at the Ocean Promenade Hotel. I'm going to have Jackie, who's going to be there. She's an energy healer, reflexologist. She's coming to offer, we're going to do a group energy healing. And then also she's going to bring some tips and, and uh, information on energy management. And then I've got Cassandra, who is a professional artist, but also very much intuitive. And same with Jackie, very intuitive. With Cassandra, we're going to be working with creativity and inspiration and working with that in conjunction with spirit and doing some exercises around accessing inspiration and creativity. And I'll be there also helping and, and also looking at ways that we can work with spirit in to strengthen that relationship and that bond. So Luzia Crystals is going to be there. Adriana's going to bring her goodies. Those are going to be for sale. So also on the break, there'll be a chance to look at some of her stuff, which is gorgeous. And she's offering a little rose quartz piece to everybody that attends the, the workshop. And then Jackie's offering a gift donation to the giveaway. Same with Cassandra. So there's going to be lots of great stuff. It's going to be a fabulous day. Registration details are on my social media. Once the new website is up, which I think it's going to be this week, all of the details and registration will be there too. You can also sign up for our mediumship intensive online course that's starting in June. It's with myself and Jennifer Dong, who's been a guest on the show. And it's for people to up level, bring their mediumship to the next level. So it's going to be four sessions, Thursday evening, 7 to 9 p.m. The early bird pricing is on until April 15th. And then after that, it'll be registration at the normal rate. And that will be closing May 31st. So if you're interested in any of those things, do reach out and let me know. Happy to chat about it. But just giving you all a big hug and wishing you lots of love and lots of inspiration as we go forward. 
and just happy 100 episodes to us because really it is something that is for all of us it's not just me you're all a part of it so each time that you listen you bring your energy to it so steady you love take good care and we'll talk soon thanks for listening if you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show Please share it with others, post about it on social media, or feel free to leave a rating and a review. You can follow me on Instagram at Melissa White Medium or on Facebook, Psychic Medium Melissa White. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.